want to welcome everyone, all of our guests this morning. If you're a guest, we are so thrilled to have you in service with us. We welcome you. If you're watching us online, wherever you watch or watching from, we pray that you're blessed by this service. Those of you that are part of this congregation can't be with us in person this morning. We are praying for you as well. Um, I don't want to, anytime I ever do this, I do it reluctantly because I don't want to miss somebody that somebody thinks I ought to mention and and you get offended, so please understand. But I just want to say it's uh, it's great to have uh, Mark Childers and his son Micah, right, in service with us this morning. And uh, there's a few old timers around here that know their Childers family. They were here, um, I think, in the 80s or so. And if I'm not mistaken, their family started the first UPC church in Columbia. Um, and uh, so they came to Antioch Christian School for a while, and he's got two older brothers. So it's their him and his son are on a a road trip and it was what a pleasant surprise to walk in and see him this morning so again there's there's a couple of us old people that um, not that he's old we're old amen I uh, I really um, (laughs) there's there's a lot of people that speak into my life there's a lot of people I trust for counsel and guidance, but after 30 years of marriage, there's just no one that is ever more on point and sensitive and whatever than my wife. (laughs) Sometimes I don't like that because she reads me too well, but she, she, she made a few, you know, if you were here Thursday night, I made a big proclamation sort of at the early in the service before I ministered and expectations at the end and it didn't it didn't quite go that way she made the point and it really is true when that a lot of times when that happens it kind of doesn't go um, I guess that's just the Lord trying to keep us humble those of us preaching not you because you're all humble you're not proud or it just just but uh, I I just and I, I have felt uh, um, I felt a burden for this morning the last several days, and I feel like God has given me something to, to say. And you know, as, as we were singing that song, "God, we believe for it," I, I think so many times we 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 sing things like that. We preach preach messages along those lines that it's it's all about physical healing natural provisions financial miracles and and we kind of narrow it down to that category i gotta tell you i said it as i was praying or maybe i just said it earlier but the the greatest most important miracles are not the physical ones It's not the healing of cancer, the healing of heart conditions. Those are not the greatest miracles. The greatest miracles 
is are the miracles that Jesus talked about that he came to do. And that's the binding up of the brokenhearted. That's the healing of the bruised. That's the setting at liberty those that are captive. That's, and and, and I, believe, I believe that's happening, but I believe for that this morning. And so I, I, I want to challenge somebody to, I, you know, I... As, as they were singing that song, nothing wrong with the rest of the song, but as they were think, singing that song, it just, it really hit me, man, if, 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 if somebody would believe for what I believe God has given me to say today, if you would make up your mind, you're going you're gonna to believe for it. So uh, there, there's, a, there's an old song that just has been on my heart and my mind with this message so just just another moment or two of singing and worshiping and 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 uh, you know what if if god chooses i shouldn't say this if god chooses to interrupt in this moment and i don't get to preach i'm okay with that but i i just i believe god wants somebody to leave here transformed today in jesus name on Calvary's hill of sorrow, where sin's demands were paid, and rays of hope for tomorrow. Across our paths were laid. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. And its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. I, I think this is the verse that I really want somebody to hear this morning. When gloom and sadness whisper you've sinned there's no use to pray I look away to my Jesus and he tells me to I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary and its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over 
Comfort me. I want to say that verse one more time. When gloom and sadness whisper. Anybody ever heard that whisper? Oh, you've sinned. There's no use to pray. I look away to my Jesus, and He tells me to say, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary, and its waves which reach the throne. Of God are sweeping over me. Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's start with verse number one. Jeremiah 31 and verse number one. At the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. And, and I'm reading... Verses 1 through 4 for context, but, but verse 3, this is, this is the main focus of this context of this message. Thus saith, thus the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again, I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with thy tabrets, and shalt go forth in the dances of them that make merry. That's, he's just saying, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to renew you. The Message Bible says it this way in verse number 2. This is the way God put it. They found grace out in the desert. They found grace out in the desert. It's not always in. In fact, most of the time where God finds you is not in the five-star resort that you're hanging out in. Usually when God finds you, it's, it's a desert. It's a wilderness. It's... It's not a pleasant place. These people who survived the killing, 
Israel out looking for a place to rest met God out looking for them. That's why I, I don't mean to be offensive to any of you if you've ever said this. You didn't find God. People, when they get saved, well, I found God. No, you didn't find God. God wasn't lost. He didn't need to be found. God found you, but you didn't find God. God, they, they were out looking for a place to rest, and God met them looking for them. God told them. God told them. I've never quit loving you and never will. I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, love. Expect love, love, and more love. Now, Anybody wants to question or doubt, my, my, I can show you the time stamp on my notes when this file was created. I don't have written notes. I didn't write them up here. But I, I, I don't know who all, but I'm, if, I don't care if it's out of this whole crowd, and I think it's more. But if it's just one single person, if it's only one person here this morning, God has brought somebody here and he's got a message for you this morning loved you with an everlasting love. Now, I'll explain this a little bit more in a moment, but I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, a no-trade clause. A no-trade clause. God, your presence is so wonderfully in this place. Your spirit has been moving and working throughout this sanctuary from the beginning of this service. You have already touched some hearts and lives in this place in a very significant, powerful way. But I am convinced, God, that you are not finished with what you want to do. And I believe that you have a message, not a sermon, God, but a message that you've brought me here this morning to deliver to somebody. And God, if it's only one person... You've gone through a lot. You went through a lot. You've, there's examples of your, in your word of the effort you went to, not for a multitude, but for one single individual. So I trust you for that today. God, I pray that as we have already sung, that we believe, we believe your word, we believe your promises. Let there be faith released in this place. I pray right now, God, that every voice of shame, every voice of condemnation would be silenced. And God, the only voice that would be heard in the remainder of this service would be your voice. Would be what you want to say in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you today, God. I trust you this morning for your anointing. I can do nothing without you. I depend upon you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There are those in this room this morning that you are probably already completely aware and understand the gist of my title. Those are those that have interest in sports. 
you don't really have interest in sports and don't follow sports much, let me just explain for a moment. In professional sports, I believe in all the major professional sports, there are a few, and it is only a few, but there are a few athletes that have a no-trade clause. Really, this kind of all started churning in my mind over the last week because uh, last uh this past Tuesday, I think Tuesday was August the 2nd. This past Tuesday was the, the major league uh, trading deadline for this season. And uh, the, the sports have that. You can't, uh, you can't just trade players all year long. There is a deadline. And, and, uh, and, and so the, the major league baseball just had its trade deadline and um, – and, and there were several things about it. I don't know why, but this year, and if you don't really never been here, don't know me that well, I, I God speaks to me through all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I, it all needs to be based on the Word of God, but my inspiration comes from uh, a lot of different things. And so I, I began to think about some things in the context of of uh, and right now with baseball and the no trade clause. So in in essence, what the no trade no trade clause is, is that if a player has a no trade clause, the organization they play for, if they want to trade them, that player has to approve the trade. They have to sign off on the trade because if you don't have a no trade clause, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter how great of a player you are. If a team decides they want to trade you to another team, you have no say. And again, there's only a small percentage. In fact, even some of the biggest names in sports uh, today don't have no trade clauses. And, and, and so one of the reasons, one of the things that really kind of got me thinking about this was this past week there was a, there was a Baltimore Oriole who's been... I think one of the I think he may have been the most senior Oriole on the team at this point in time and um and 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 uh, been a great player he went through cancer I think it was a couple of years ago survived he's been an all-star and uh, he he got traded and it was a very uh emotional parting for him and 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 so part of the part of the purpose of a trade is teams that are doing well look at some areas that they still have a few gaps and so they try to trade for players that might can help them because they think they have a chance to win whether it's the world series or the super bowl or whatever it is and so and and so you trade away now now the idea is if you are the team that's not in the playoffs and not going to win that hopefully you're 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 trading a good player and you're getting usually what are prospects these are guys that are that they're not superstars yet. They 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 may they they have the potential. Somebody thinks, but 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 they're they're not necessarily there yet. But the thing that really and I'll rather than getting too uh, uh, distracted with all of this, I'll just kind of narrow it down to the primary point in the context of this message, and and that is what happens is a guy because usually. The, the good player, he's usually on a team that's not doing very well. Since I am not superstitious and I don't think you can jinx things, I, I will just insert, we, we actually apparently might, might 
Not a, I'm not a full believer yet. But we might actually have a baseball team in Baltimore. We might. <laughs> but and, and so they're actually doing, you know, com, compa- of course, comparatively, they're doing amazing. I mean, I, it's kind of sad when, all you, when the biggest thing you're celebrating is the fact you don't have a losing record. That's not, but hey, we'll take it. Do I have any Orioles fans remaining or a bunch of you went in the closet? Closet fans, okay. Uh, and, and, and so, the guy's name was Trey Mancini, the guy that got traded from Baltimore. And so, uh, thank, I mean, at least from a fan perspective, they're doing okay and uh, whatever. But, but he goes to a team that is in contention. He goes to a team that is, again, they, they, they feel like they've got a really good chance of winning. And so, sometimes you go from a team that's in last place... So now you're on a first place team and everything has changed. That, that's a whole other message for another day. But here's the, here's the other part is, you, if you are on the team that's doing great, you've got all these hopes and ambitions that maybe you're not a star player, but you're at least on the team. And, 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 and when they give away rings for championships in sports, it's not just the starters that get the ring. If you're on the team, you may hardly ever play. But if you were on the team for the championship, you get the same exact championship ring the rest of them get. But here's the deal. All of a sudden, because you are not the star on the team and, and you, are, you are looked at at being a bit expendable, they will trade you and you can go from a team that has excitement over the rest of its year to a team that has no hope at all and you have no choice. Can I tell somebody today, there is a no trade clause. Except different than sports, the no trade clause is not on the team, not on the players' part. The no trade clause in the context of this is on God's part. That God has established, you might mess it up, you might not be the best, you might not do the best, you might not be the star player on the team, but I want you to know I love you with an everlasting love, and I'm drawing you with loving kindness. So it doesn't matter if you succeed or fail, there should be a confidence that says, He will not leave me, He will not forsake me, He will not abandon me. And kind of in the context of what's already been said this morning, I'm not telling you that that means you feel Him all the time. My wife said it if you're first time here, that that lady that was talking earlier, that's my wife. So true. I'm I'm always in that percentage that doesn't feel anything. I'm sorry. And I heard that statement the other day. It was just a brief clip and, and, you know, if you'll just do this, here's what will happen. I've done it. I've been, I was born and raised here. I've seen every trick in the book. I've seen every approach. I've seen people scream and holler and shout and shake. I've seen people stand and hardly move a muscle. And 
I've watched God respond to people in all kinds of ways. So I've tried all kinds of things and I can't guarantee you. I can't guarantee you that if you'll just close your eyes and lift your hands right now, the presence of God is going to envelop. Actually, I I can guarantee you that. Actually, I can but I can't guarantee you that you're going to have any kind of certain manifestation of it. So I'm I'm telling somebody this morning, you may not feel like he's there. You may not feel like he's been there, but he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know what an everlasting love is? Get ready, all of you note takers. I'm getting ready to drop a bomb. Get ready. You're going to want to write this down. An everlasting love is a love that lasts forever. Powerful. Really is, actually. I'm being a little bit facetious, but it really is. An everlasting love is a love that will last forever. It's a love that I don't ever have to worry about running out. It's a love that I don't ever have to worry about taking, being taken away from me. And, and, and you got to understand, and I, I'm reading this in the context of individuals today, but, but in the context of it, he was saying this to a group of people. So let's just look at that group of people for a moment. He calls a man by the name of Abram who becomes Abraham. And he says, I'm going to use you and I'm going to turn you into this great nation. And, and so the children of Israel became God's chosen people. Not because they're better than anybody else, but really it all, from my perspective, had to do with where God was going, meaning where we are today. And so God had to have somebody to use to be a natural object lesson and an example of what you and I are here today. I just insert, if you've ever heard somebody say, especially if you've ever heard a preacher say, we don't really need the Old Testament, we don't need that anymore, you've been lied to. Some of the greatest understanding I've come to get about God has come from the Old Testament. Because when I see things God did in the Old Testament in natural, literal ways, I can then apply them to spiritual things in my life today. So it's this nation of people that God calls and He's going to make Him His chosen people. But here's what's amazing. God knew from the very beginning that this people He was going to choose were not going to be perfect. And He chose them anyways. And not only did He know that they were not going to be perfect, He made up His mind, I'm not going to trade you for another nation. I know before I ever choose you, And, and, and one of the saddest things that they did was they went after other gods. Which is really crazy because how do you go after other gods when there's only one God and the one real God is the God that chose you. But you're going to abandon Him for something that's not a God and yet God decided from the beginning. Of course, the bottom line is if God would have only picked or only stuck with a group of people that always got it right, there's no telling how long the list would be. And whoever was the current list of chosen people right now would only be because He just picked them. Because give them a few seconds. And they're going to mess it up too. And so through the prophet he said, I I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
That word everlasting in the, in the Hebrew means this. It means long duration. And, and then, and then it's, it's antiquity and futurity. There's your word for the day. Which is in essence the opposite of antiquity. Because antiquity is referencing something that's old. And so I'm loving you, oh Jesus. I'm loving you with an antique kind of love. This is not some new passing fad. I'm loving you with something that's proven, tried and proven. But I also want you to know the love that I'm loving you with is not just something of the past, but it's going to be a love of the future because it is an everlasting love. It means forever, evermore. It means perpetual. It means of ancient time, long time, with regards to the past, and then with regards to the future, it means forever, always, continuous existence, perpetual, everlasting, everlasting, indefinite or unending future. I've loved you with an everlasting love. We, you know, we, we all, all of the middle-aged folks, kind of dawned on me. I always thought middle age was like, you know, 50, 60 years old. Then in my early 40s, it dawned on me, you know, 40 could be middle age. Of course, the bottom line, 8 could be middle age. If I'm not trying to be facetious or insensitive. You, middle age is based on when you die. <laughs> But in the gist of what we normally think of, middle-aged, at least the middle-aged folks. Isn't it awesome how middle-aged and old is a sliding scale? Seventy used to be like ancient. Seventy is like summer chickens, not spring chickens, but summer chickens. We, we, we've all been through some situations where you, you either somewhat voluntarily, but more so, especially some of you older ones have been through situations where it, 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 you may actually have done it kicking and screaming where your, your time is up. You can no longer function. We, we've got to move you out. We've got to move you on. We've got to replace you. God says, I, I've got an unending, unending future. Years ago, there was, there was a blessing the Lord provided our family, a financial blessing, and, and, and it ended up being a, a, a um, um, we, we ended up, because of a couple of situations, the way they work, receiving uh, some monthly income, uh, nothing to do with job and whatever, but but we started receiving it was it was a pretty substantial amount and very beneficial but the problem was it it, it wasn't indefinite it wasn't unending you see a lot of us are used to things that run out a lot of us are used to things that run out 
Some of you are used to things that run out in a more literal sense. People that run out on you, leave you, abandon you, forsake, whatever but whatever the context. We're used to things that run out. Can I tell you today, His love is an everlasting love. It never ends. The, the Scripture tells us with regards to His mercy that it's, it's every day that there is new Mercy. You and I are not having to ration God's mercy. You you were given X amount of mercy for your life. And you better not use it up because if you use it up, you're in trouble. No, every single morning when you wake up, you don't even have to worry about if you didn't use up yesterday's mercy. Because every morning when you wake up, God is greeting you with new mercy for today. And there is enough for today. Whatever you will face, whatever you will do, whatever mistakes you will make, whatever wrong decisions, morning by morning there will be new mercy. He said to Paul this way, my grace is sufficient. That means there's always going to be enough. See, we're so used to the world's way of doing things and we, we kind of transition to God. I'm going to get pushed out. So there's probably somebody here today. There's a good chance there's at least one person in a group this side that, that you were basically forced to take an early retirement. There is, there is no early retirement that God forces on anybody. One of the amazing things to me about about the kingdom of God and being a part of the church, and I don't mean a church, I mean the church, is that it doesn't matter how old you are. If you want it, there's a place. If you want it, there's a purpose. It may not be the same purpose and the same place you always have have had, but there's always a place and a purpose in the kingdom of God because there is an everlasting love. There, there, there's, there, are, there are so many examples throughout Scripture that I could use this morning. And, and here's the one I felt to use. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, Jesus is, is, is interacting with His disciples and, and, and he's, he's training these 12 men and spending time with them, equipping them for for their future and what they're going to be and, and, and they're on a journey one day and he says, he asks them a question who do men say that I am and they respond to that and then he asks them who do you say that I am and Peter responds to that and Peter says you are the Christ the son of the living God and, and so in the context of that verse number 18 Jesus says this and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to thee, I will give to you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now i got to tell you, if you'll read through the Gospels, what you will find, there's some other disciples that we don't find any major mistakes in their life meaning at least after the time that Jesus called them. What, just, just one of those is John. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't really see anything about John in the Gospels where John was 
messed up, failed. I, I, I think one of the only things to me was he got, I believe it was John, that got caught up in a little bit of a discussion about, you know, who, who's going to get to sit at the right hand of Jesus. And, and, but but, but that, other than that, John, John didn't have any big flaws or mistakes. That we, He was pretty faithful, pretty consistent. And, and, and several of the, of the other disciples, it seems pretty much the same way. But not so with Peter. Not so with Peter. Out of the twelve, excluding Judas, out of that group of people, Peter was the one who would end up with the most glaring of failures. He was the one that would blow it the most out of all of them again, except for Judas. And when Jesus says these words to him, and says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, he already knew. You know, sorry for those of you non-sports folks who just had to bear with me this morning, but there's, there's what's in the sports world often referred to as draft busts. These are the guys and the girls that are drafted into pro sports that that there is great expectations that they are going to be the next superstar and they completely fail. Some of them end up staying in a, in a league they're in for years and years and years, but, but they're on the bench, they barely ever play, and, 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 and they never, it never pans out. Peter was not a draft bust. <laughs> Jesus knew from the very moment this interaction took place. Oh, Jesus. He knew from the very moment this interaction took place that Peter was going to mess up. And he still said, You are the one I'm giving the keys to. I'm not giving the keys to the beloved John. I, I'm not giving them to Matthew. I'm not giving them to one of the other faithful, consistent, reliable disciples. But Peter, I'm giving you the keys. And I wonder if maybe one reason Jesus did that is because if one of those other guys that never seemed to mess up got the keys, we would all feel pretty hopeless. But when I look at the fact it was the guy that messed up pretty bad is the one that got the keys, that gives me some hope that I might fall, I might mess up, I might not always get it right. But just like with Peter, he never took the keys back. In fact, not only did he know it from the beginning, but we go to Luke chapter 22 in the time of Jesus' life on this earth is winding down. The preparation is being made for what's going to lead up to His crucifixion. And Luke 22 and verse 31, the Last Supper, this is the, the setting of that. And, and in the middle of all of that, the Lord says to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he, ha that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants to do some things in your life to mess you up. Satan wants to do some things in your life, Simon, to destroy you. But here's what I want you to know, Simon. I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Now you know what? If he had stopped right there, that would have been one thing. If he had just stopped and said, I, I want you to know, Peter, you're going to mess up, but I, I just want you to know I prayed for you. Okay. But he didn't stop at that. It's not a 
it's not a, a, a period there. There's something else that comes. And this is what he says. And when? Not if. But when? Peter hears what Satan has desired to do. And I'm going to give him some space to do what he wants to do. But here's what I also know. That's not going to be the end of the story. So when you are converted, when you get to the other side of what you're going to go through, Peter, I want you to then begin to look look for others and begin to strengthen them. Because I gave you something, and when I gave it to you, I knew everything that was going to happen. But I gave it to you anyways, and I'm never going to trade you to the other side. I, I, I suppose, and if there is a way that you know of, help me out, please. I'm not sure there's a way to, to, to absolutely, concretely prove this to you, but I believe it with all of my heart, and I think the Bible is full of principles throughout the entire book that confirm this. I believe that as, as terrible as what Judas did to Jesus was, Peter's failure was he, he betrayed him. He denied those same, that same passage in Matthew 16. And you read on, he says, Before the cock crows three times, you will have denied me. And Peter's all adamant, no, not me. I'll never deny you. I'll never mess up. I'll, I'll never fail you. You know, there, there, there's a lot of things that, mistakes and failure. But I got to tell I mean, when you, when you, in this context of what Peter did, when you deny and you know someone, someone you've been close to, someone you've, you, you've, you've walked with, you've fellowshiped with, you've followed for a significant period of time, and now, and now you're saying, I don't even know them. That, there's some other things to me if Peter would have done or mistakes he would have made really were, were, would have been a little more understand. But you deny Jesus? And, and so Judas was, in essence, it went a step further with Judas because Judas's betrayal is was all a part of the process that what that led to Jesus death but i believe with all of my heart even after his betrayal even after Jesus was arrested and beaten and that whole i i believe at some point if Judas in that process would have decided you know what i i'm not going out and finding a tree and hanging myself i believe if Judas would have went back to Jesus and said, I'm sorry. I messed up. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was doing. Forgive me. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus would have forgiven him. The outcome of Judas' life wasn't God's judgment and wrath on him. The outcome of Judas' life was was the decisions that Judas made. So can I tell you today, I I don't think there's anybody in this place that what you've ever done and the mistakes you've ever made are any worse than what Judas or Peter did. I don't care. I, 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 I shouldn't say this without really fully thinking through it, so just... 
To me, murder is less offense to God than betraying Him. I'm pretty sure we don't have any murderers here. So if God was willing, in spite of Peter, and since we don't really know about Judas, I'm telling you what I think, but Peter is the example since God was willing to, to forgive Peter and he didn't, he didn't forfeit his place, there is not one single individual in this place today that what you have done and the mistakes you have made, the failures of your past, that they are any worse than what Peter did. And we kind of find, this isn't really the, the, the end of it, but, but I think we kind of find the culmination of this thing with Peter because it's on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out that it was that, it was it wasn't John. It wasn't the other disciples. I mean, there were some disciples that stuck through the whole thing with Jesus. They stayed at the cross. They were at the. T- they, they were there. Not Peter. Peter ran off. He went away because he. I don't know him. But it wasn't one of those other guys that stood there on the day of Pentecost and said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit of all things. It, it, it wasn't John. It wasn't James. It wasn't one of those other good guys. It was the guy that just a few days before had stood around a fire and said to people, I don't know him. I, I never knew. I never followed him. I, I'm not associated. That's the guy that stood there on the day of Pentecost the birthday of the church to declare the message of salvation in the New Testament there's a there's a no trade clause there's a no trade clause you, you, you know you may, maybe you've been on injured reserve for a little while maybe you've been on the disabled list but there's a no there's a no trade clause. Maybe, maybe you haven't quite done in the past what was expected, the great accomplishments. I, there, there, there's a no trade clause. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. Who, who shall separate us? And, 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 and it's on the screen so you can read and see. I'm about to, I'm about to combine Jeremiah and Romans, so just... just Full disclosure, I'm going to read it this way though. Who shall separate you or us from the everlasting love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the everlasting love of Christ? Now now watch this. The question that Paul asks is who shall separate us? But then he begins to ask or mention some things that they are they're not whose, whose, whose. They're what's. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I, I think really kind of what he's given us is some ideas of things that we look at in our lives that we feel like these 
things may separate us from the love of God. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded. That means I am confident. I am certain that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no thing that can separate you or I from the love of God. No mistake, no failure, no past choices that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. No thing can separate us from the love of God. But that wasn't the question. Paul didn't ask what can separate us from the love of God. That's not what he asked, which is what we focus on. What separates me? Disappointments, letdowns, mistreatment, my failures, the failures. What can separate me? That's what we focus on. But Paul says, who? But again, he says, who can separate me? But he starts to list what? So the question really is, who? And the one thing that is missing in there when he refers to things present or things to come, he actually doesn't address the past. not in there he says whatever I'm going through it can't separate me whatever I may go through in the future it can't separate me but he didn't mention the past and the reason he didn't mention the past is not because the past automatically separates us from the love of God The reason he didn't mention the past, Brother Tony, is because whether or not the past separates me from the love of God is my choice. So the who that can separate me from the love of God is only one answer to that. Me. Not that I'm the only one that can separate you. You're. I knew I didn't like that preacher. I am the only one. You are the only one. You are the only one that can separate you from the love of God. And whether or not your past separates you from the love of God is not God's choice because He has already done everything necessary so that your past cannot separate. I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary and that blood has the ability to wash away all of my sins for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley 
Oh, the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on that cross. I know it was the blood. And so if my past separates me from the love of God, it's only because I have let it. It is not because God has chosen to separate me from His love as a punishment to me, as payment for what I've done. I know we, we, we it, it's not biblical, it's, it's not biblical, it's not in the Word of God, but it's just our human nature. We always have this tendency, we're, we're kind of stacking everybody up. Usually what we're trying to figure, where, where am I in the, in, in the scheme of things? Am I, you know, I, how do I stack up with the greats? And how much better am I than the, than the nobodies? That's not, that's not biblical. It's not in there. Again, the problem is we sit, we measure, we compare, and we judge ourselves by others. We judge ourselves by our mistakes and our past. And, and, and God's sitting there saying, I love you. Not just I have loved you with an everlasting love, but I love you with. I love you with a love that will last forever. I'm 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 thankful that uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the timing of my life, and, and this isn't the most important area. But but one of the things I'm really thankful for is is that um, all of those really big things in my life happened pre-social media. I'm so glad I dated, got engaged, and got married before Instagram and Facebook. And, I'm so glad we had all of our kids before Instagram and Facebook. I mean, you realize you're not allowed to have a child born unless you have had this mega gender reveal party. But your gender reveal party can't be like everybody else's gender reveal party. It's got to be better than that. And I'm not a, if you do those things, I'm not shooting at you. I don't get you, your prerogative. I'm just saying I'm thankful. I don't know. I mean, we were, I, I, I think I shared this a little bit recently, but I, I went out on a Thursday, Thursday, June 20th. I don't remember a lot of dates, but a Thursday, June 20th, 1991. Went out, bought a ring. And that ring was just sizzling in my pocket. Back then, we had... This is before we had Monday night church. That was back when we originally had church. I, I came to church that Thursday night. Brother Ted Grossbach was here preaching. I came to church that night, and I, I, had, that, I had that ring. And I'm like, man, I got it. Of course, back then, you didn't, there wasn't all kind of inspiration. I couldn't take it. We went downtown after service. Got on a water taxi. Started riding around in the Spa Creek area. 
I really kind of messed up because I didn't get down on my knee. So I got to, maybe I need to do that one day. I'm sorry. And I just reached into my pocket and she was sitting there next to me. And I just, just, if I remember correctly, I took, I do remember more than just, I'm known to not remember everything. And we were, yesterday we were driving through parole. I remember Where's, where's uh, Jesse? I think you're the only bishop here this morning. Any, have any other bishops here? I, well, she's not a, I'm sorry, Mark. She's not a bishop anymore. My apology. But uh, that little, I forget the name, clock tower, I think it's called, right there across from Double T Diner. Uh, Brother Freddie Bishop, as Jesse's uncle, was a part of the construction crew. And I, my dad and I went, and I guess he told my dad, we went and we watched them, that very top part on the clock tower there. It's got the little iron black iron fencing up top we watched the crane hang that i just happened to mention that my life my wife's like what in the world the stuff you can't remember and you remember that so i i do remember some important things the way i recall it i just reached in my pocket pulled out that little velvety box and i just kind of nudged it in her hand and i said will you marry me i i'm so glad i didn't have to worry about I didn't have to have a whole production crew there to capture the moment. I'm not trying. I'm old-fashioned, so all you young folks, I know I don't get it. I'm just, but I'm just my. And then the other one, and man, hear me, all of you single people, please hear me. Do yourself a favor. Don't put every relationship status change on Facebook. They don't always end in marriage. I mean, people that just met, they just started, they've only had their first date. This is the most awesome, wonderful person I've ever met in my life. And they're starting to post pictures, and a couple weeks later, they got to delete their account. Or they've got to very carefully go through and delete all the posts of all the pictures of the person that they were madly in love with and were going to spend the rest of their life with, that they're gone. All of that, all of that, perhaps a little bit of, blowing off steam there all of that to simply say with regards to God and his relationship status it's not like that it's not like well I'm going to love you but you know what nah, I don't know you kind of messed up <laughs> you, you kind of you didn't, you didn't meet my expectations I'm, I'm going to go find someone else no no I love you with an everlasting love. I'm never going to separate myself from you. You may decide to separate yourself from me, but I'm never going to separate myself from you. And, and, and so here's what, Brother Brian, the other thing that's so awesome about that is all of that mistakes and failures that I may have, they never forfeit my purpose and my place in the kingdom of God. Ever. He loves me with an everlasting love. And He's a God who doesn't change His mind. He's a God that doesn't give up and just move on to the next person, the next 
prospect. It's an everlasting love. Well, I feel like I'm about 0 for 2 now with my great expectations. The Holy Ghost, from the start of this service, there's some people in this place. He he said, I I, I read, let me see if I can get it really quickly. I'm I'm trying to quit. He said, said, not only have I loved you with an everlasting love, but I've I've drawn you, I've, I've, I've pulled you with loving kindness. I, I, I haven't gone after you in anger and I'm mad. You better, you better straighten up. Gosh, you better get it together. No. Not only do I love you, but now I, I'm, I'm coming for you with, an, with, a, with loving kindness. I'm coming alongside of you with, with, with gentleness. I'm coming alongside of you with grace and mercy. It, it's kind of like that prodigal son when he decided to come back to his father's house. He was so geared up for his father's punishment. I, I, I guarantee you he spent most of that day tense, just waiting. When is the shoe going to drop? I know it's coming. And all his father is doing is say, hey... My son's come home. Let's have a party. We're going to celebrate. He, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have a good time. We're going to, and it never, it never happened because there's an everlasting love. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are, at least for right now? I, I, I've said it, said it when I prayed before I preached. But you know what? If, if really, if this is, if there's only one single person out of the few hundred people that are in this room right now if it's only just one single person that God is talking to that's all right but if you're that person if you're that person you're probably one of those that already this morning God's already been touching you and and you've already been responding so could I just encourage you just to just to continue that would you just would you just now in connection with what you've already felt him doing this morning, would you now, in connection with that, just just open to say, God, I I, I hear what you're saying to me, and, and 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 I receive what you're saying. I'm I'm claiming what you're saying to me today. That God, you love me with an everlasting love, and and I know I've been through some tribulation and some persecution, and I've been through some distresses, and and I've been through some challenging situations, and and some of those things I've been through, it, to me, seem to be the evidence that you don't love me anymore but according to your word God nothing 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 can separate me from you I, I, I want to do this this way this morning if I could here's the way I feel to do it if 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 you again nothing else if you would just keep your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment out of out of respect for those that are around you but 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 if you would if you feel like you feel like the Lord is talking to you right now would you just would you just simply lift your hands right where you're sitting just right where you're sitting I'm not going to ask you to stand right now not, I don't feel to ask to come all the way down to front right now but just, just simply right where you're sitting as a, as a sign as an expression as an expression Lord 
I hear what you're saying. I hear the words that have been spoken. I want, th- I want that to be mine. I want that to be personal today. I want that to become alive in me. I want that to be real in me. I want it to be more than just good words, encouraging words. I want it to be my experience this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If, if you would, encourage you to just continue with your eyes closed. But if I could ask some of you that you don't feel that need to respond, would you, if there's somebody maybe nearby you that, that does have their hands up right now, would you, would you be willing to join together with them right now and pray? Come on, I, I believe there are times and probably more often than not that I feel like there's a response that's needed for you to get out of your seat and come down to this altar. But, but there, are, there are moments like this, there are services like this that it's just it's a little deeper, it's a little more personal. And I think this is, this is an appropriate response this morning. Well, and there's some of you in this place right now, the enemy has been... Has been just in your ear, accusation, condemnation. You've blown it. You've messed up. You've forfeited what God has for you. you. You can never be who God called you to be. You can never do what God called you to do. It's it's all over. You've messed it up. I've come to tell you today, there, there, there was written into your contract a no-trade clause. He knew all of that from the beginning when He called you. He knew all of that from the beginning when He saved you. If you're here today and you've never been born again, God is waiting with open arms arms knowing that even after you're born again there's still going to be some mistakes and failures but but he loves you he loves you with an everlasting love I, I know it's so simple and I realize I keep saying it even though it's so simple but but he loves you with a love that lasts forever I, I think that love that lasts forever, we, we, we put that in the context of time. But can I tell you right now, that love that lasts forever, it's not just about time. That love that lasts forever has to do with situations and circumstances that no matter what you go through, He's going to love you forever. No matter what mistakes you may make, He's going to love you forever. loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you with an everlasting love he loves you with a never-ending love maybe some of you it's not your condemnation that's causing you to feel separated it's it's the things you're going through it's the circumstances you're dealing with in your life right now it's disappointments, maybe it's family crisis and, and, and other troubles you're dealing with can I tell you this morning none of those things are an indicator that you are separated from the love of God nothing nothing can separate us in the name of Jesus Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you for an everlasting love. Thank you today for an everlasting love. 
Thank you for a place that's secure. Thank you for a place in your kingdom, in your body that is sure. In the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus. If you need to go or want to go, thank you so much for being here. If you're praying, if the Lord is ministering to you right now, please don't don't be in a hurry. Let Him love you. Let Him minister to you. 